0: This is 15 Minutes of Freedom, I'm your host Ryan Idell, and today's episode is actually a face-to-face interview, a rarity here at 15 Minutes of Freedom. I have Taylor Klump in the studio. Say hello, Taylor. Hi. Pleasure to have you here. Uh, Taylor, on a little unknown fact about Taylor, she drove seven hours today,
1: mm-hmm.
0: day after Thanksgiving, by herself from St. Louis to Columbus. What made you do that? Why, why drive here to see me and to talk on the microphone? Why?
1: Talk some shit. <laughs> Just kidding.
0: That that's the most in- incredible answer I've heard so far.
1: <laughs> well, have a good conversation.
0: I like it. I have like a good
1: it. Conversation about what we're passionate about,
0: which to me is is helping people. Mm-hmm. Essentially is what this all comes down to. So Taylor and I got connected through social media. Happen to have a lot of great friends in common in St. Louis, mm-hmm. people that I've made mention of before. You know the Frisella family and the whole team at First Form, and come to find out, the world's very small. She used to live with some people that are inside of the First Form <laughs> family. That like bouncing back and forth and just getting to know each other, and it was really incredible to see just how small the world is. Like I'd never met mm-hmm. you before, what a month and a half ago or so, if right. even that. Yeah. And then diving into your passion for EMDR, mm-hmm. which is
1: Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing Therapy.
0: Which is an incredible way of saying like not only you, – you have your master's degree
1: mm-hmm. in – Clinical mental health counseling. Counseling. Uh,
0: yeah, of course. But you say it so passively, like so flippantly. Like it's something you're passionate about mm-hmm. that you've dedicated now eight years of your life to? Mm-hmm. More, less?
1: We'll, we'll round that. Getting close to that with undergrad and grad.
0: Of course. And then I have to know for the listeners, what's, what's one thing you would have people address? Like from, from your clinical standpoint – like we all have issues, right? Mm-hmm. We all have things and there's commonalities. Mm-hmm. right There's limiting beliefs, there's things that we all have. let's let's dive into start unpackaging some of your skill set and your knowledge.
1: Right. So very first thing initially that comes to my mind um, would just be first would be self-awareness. Um, starting at the building blocks, you mean you can't even get into your limiting beliefs or um, anything of that nature until you are aware of first like what's going on to begin with. So just being able to, understand that there is something going on all the time and being able to kind of pick that apart.
0: I love that. So when you say self-awareness, let us if we're speaking to a listener right now, there's somebody, mm-hmm. there's a third party in the room. Let's walk somebody through an exercise. Now, I know we can't go too far down this route, rabbit mm-hmm. hole, because all types of rules, regulations, things. That's why I love being a coach, because I can say a whole bunch of shit you're not supposed to say
2: right.
0: without any sort of legal ramifications that really come. I know mm-hmm. we have to be a little more tactful with what you're able to say. right? But we can just we we'll analyze me right you've heard the podcast you've been a listener off and on or Mm -hmm. at some point you've heard something i've said for some dumbass reason (laughs) but here you are like let's go through it like walk me through a process
1: so um initially it would just be so kind of like working on self-awareness what that is um kind of what you're experiencing it depends on if the person's willing to be coming into therapy or if they are not sometimes they're mandated sometimes their wife's dragging them in Um, so i'll say
0: i'm i'm a willing participant. I'm here right now. I decided to come and sit down with Taylor yeah. and just get torn apart in front of 15,000 people oh listening no. to the show.
1: So first I would just congratulate you and thank you for coming into therapy mm-hmm. um, and wanting to continue to work on yourself and build your skill set. Um, and then just ask you, you know, what's kind of bringing you in today? What is your, as we like to say clinically, your presenting problem? I would just ask, you you know, what's, what's going on for you in your life? What's bringing you into therapy today?
0: I'll say my inability to get out of my own way. I keep hitting roadblocks and keep succeeding and then failing and succeeding and failing.
1: Wow. So you've acknowledged that there's some consistent pattern that's been going on for a while with you and mm-hmm. you're wanting some help to kind of figure out how to navigate through this? Absolutely. Okay. Can you kind of walk me through a little bit at like what that path would look like for you?
0: Path as far as what success would look like or what I've been through so far?
1: Um, in the future oriented, like what would success look like for you?
0: So success in the future, Taylor, for me would be being able to continue forward with the podcast, continue mm-hmm. forward with my business, and keep striving for the next rung of the ladder. And even when I miss that rung of the ladder, I don't slide down 12 rungs back to mm. the lying, the cheating, the all the crazy stuff that mm-hmm. went into who I was. When things would get tough, that would be like a default that I'd mm-hmm. drop back to.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's success would be not ever having that even be a possibility in the mm-hmm. future
1: yeah definitely so what i'm hearing you say there's you're very self-aware of um yourself and your past and kind of how all those different parts play into your present and where you would like to go in the future and how you can kind of um avoid that and really stay away from that
0: Mm -hmm. absolutely
1: definitely so you just kind of ask you just to kind of like break down a little bit um kind of like more personally would be um kind of what each one of those things really stood for for you and like what purpose um, the lying, the cheating, whatever, any of that was, mm-hmm. what purpose that served for you in okay. your life?
0: Yeah. we. Can pl- I'll play that game for a minute now. Okay. This, this okay. is fun. I'm giving you the no, option. Of, I'm, I'm full you, go. You could
1: zap out at any point. I'm not tapping out Taylor. <laughs> okay.
0: I'm, I'm all the way in this with you today. So
1: all right.
0: what purpose did it serve? So the lying, when I would lie, it was because I was afraid to own the truth. Like mm-hmm. I was afraid of the negative ramifications in my mind. The story that I have now created is the fact that in my past, when things were tough, my father would come down on me really really hard mm-hmm. and whether that was a perception or reality that was my reality mm-hmm. yeah. and so then on the back side anytime something would get tough i would literally just be completely adverse any sort of conflict so not mm-hmm. only would i not stand up for myself but even when i did something that i knew was unscrupulous like i wasn't ready to face the consequences so mm-hmm. i would just lie around until i got caught versus just walking in and saying i made a mistake
1: Mm-hmm fear of, like, the judgment and the consequences that would kind of come with that. Of course. You just kind of wanted to sweep it under the rug. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of sounds like maybe, because there was, like, a thing with a parental figure, a lot of that kind of comes with this um, guilt that you kind of take on of, like, I'm bad.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, and absolutely. It kind of
1: be the underlying message there. Yeah. Um, so then if I was not, if I was speaking with you clinically, I wouldn't really say that, but I would kind of. Um, really draw out the like pattern of that being a consistent like a reenactment for you of like constantly finding new ways to um, prove this like self-fulfilling prophecy for you, this negative cognition that you have that I'm bad, and so you're gonna keep finding more ways to prove yourself that I'm bad and I'm shameful to kind of cover all that up and be like, see, I, I knew this is true. I yeah, we don't want to do that, but that's how it works.
0: Of course, of course. Mm-hmm. So then, if we jump into the cheating side of things, right? That was the next thing: like lying, cheating, manipulating. Mm-hmm. So cheating, man, I would love to come up with a good story as to why I cheated. I don't really have one. So mm-hmm. I was always afraid to break up with somebody. Like I didn't want to hurt somebody's feelings.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So oh gosh, if I'm dating a woman and things are good, right? None of the mm-hmm. women I've ever dated, I would say are inherently bad. Like they all cared mm-hmm. about me. We would have said at some point we shared love for one another. But what happened is there was unfulfilled somewhere. And mm-hmm. I would either most likely not really articulate that in a way that could be received Mm -hmm. i might have hinted around about it but i probably never just said like look i need x y and z and you're only giving me Y. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: i'm missing some pieces and parts and so i'd be open then to a possibility of finding somebody new on the outside Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and then being open to that to have a conversation with with a woman Mm
2: -hmm.
0: did not feel foreign to me i mean i was in sales i think Mm -hmm. we're all in sales in some capacity so i'd have the conversation and then if i there was no part of my conversation that ever said i have a girlfriend i'm with Mm -hmm. somebody it was certainly left very open that I would probably be single.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then that would slowly work its way into exchanging phone numbers and then like the banter back and forth and mm-hmm. eventually going out. And never in that time did I step up and own the fact that I had a girlfriend. Right. Right. And even once things started to cross that threshold, like mm-hmm. we all know, we're all adults here, right? You get to a certain point, you're like, okay, mm-hmm. I should probably exit this relationship. Mm-hmm. I was so afraid of just getting yelled at or hurting them or some combination of the story that I just would let both ride and like mm-hmm. they both thought I was the one and only Ooh. and mm-hmm. we're not talking for weeks we're talking months even years like
2: mm-hmm.
0: super not flattering things
2: mm-hmm.
0: but that's the point at one point I had three or four girlfriends mm-hmm. that all thought one and only mm-hmm.
1: uh-huh. wow that's quite the juggling act it and the responsibility was, that that would take and level of
0: big, big commitment to being deceitful
1: Well, to juggle all that at one time, most men can't even juggle the emotional connection it would (laughs) require for one female, and you were able um, to—not to glorify cheating by (laughs) any means, so more so just to make humor of it. Um, It Feels good.
0: Thank you for making me laugh about my shortcomings. I appreciate (laughs) it.
1: Gotta gotta Mm -hmm. keep it away from the clinical piece at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, But it kind of also sounds like it was easier for you, maybe perhaps to. point out the reasons you said there's you know you come up with one reason or another but it's always easier to kind of point the finger and say oh you know um, here there's something wrong with you you're not giving me what I need but mm-hmm. it's like you kind of found more and more ways to um, meet these people to then again kind of point back to another point and say okay you're not giving me what I need you're not giving me what I need um, and kind of you're just kind of creating that cycle all over again just because it was easier to kind of like point the finger there and be like ah you're not giving me what I need versus like, okay, what's what's really going on here is I'm recreating this same situa- situation that someone else is not giving me what I need that I want to be close with.
0: Right. So even in that, now that you're saying that, I'll remove myself from us actually having the mm-hmm. conversation more of a host right now. Some of that's the avoidance of really taking stock of the acceptance of what's going on, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm running, at that point in my life, I'm running from being aware, mm-hmm. right? Essentially, am I, am I
1: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: understanding that- the, Right. I'll say diagnosis. I don't know. That's probably the wrong term. but
1: Well, and it's maybe kind of one of those things, too, where it's like, let me hurt you before you can hurt me kind of thing, too.
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So it's like a protective mechanism for you to be like, I already got one on you. Like, I'm not going to be vulnerable to you. You might have let yourself be vulnerable, you know, in other areas to kind of be like, oh, here, um, look, I, you know, express feelings or whatever it was to, like, show that you are vulnerable. But in reality, it was like, you know, how much you weren't truly vulnerable, you were only kind of keeping the, the cap, because that's what it was. It sounds like yeah. you had a cap with one, and then you'd kind of gain another one, and there was a cap with that one. And we're like, oh, here, I'll let you all kind of fight amongst yourselves and figure out how this is all gonna play out.
0: Right. Man, that's wild. Absolutely. So it was even, I even had a story that I would run through that if I could get caught cheating, I wouldn't have to hurt you, you got to hurt me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right, like I didn't have to sit down with you, Taylor, and say like, okay, thanks for spending the past however long together. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to work out. I could be the ass. Like, you could come to me and say, look, we're done. And even though I was the one that inflicted that, I wasn't the one that had to sit down and say to you that we're done. Like, you got to mm-hmm. tell me we were done. Mm-hmm. Like, I never wanted to be the one to say we were over.
1: Mm-hmm. You didn't want to, like, take responsibility for it. Well, no, that was kind of, it sounds like the part you liked was kind of, like, creating that whole, it was whole process. I mean, you were very systematic with it. It was, like, <laughs> the whole process you liked, like, because you were very repetitive with the same Oh yeah. process.
0: Super weak. Like really, from where I sit now, like the man I am today, like the amount of the lack of integrity I had versus how I think now and mm-hmm. what's capable and, and what I'm capable of it's just quite often people will message myself or my wife and say, look, like it's only a matter of time before you do it again. Right? Mm. Leopards don't ever change their spots.
2: Mm.
0: And I hear that and I think, you know, for many people that might be a, a something that they could look at as truth. Mm-hmm. I look at me when you go down a path of self awareness and self actualization, and
2: mm-hmm.
0: you create systems and processes, and you understand why you've done things that you've done. Mm-hmm. It gives you the power to have the presence of mind to decide if you want to repeat those
2: things. Mm-hmm.
0: Like, it's I get to choose at this point. It's mm-hmm. not I would be lying. I mean, Lindsay knows that I find women to be attractive just as she finds men to be attractive. We've shared that it's like human we're, nature. we're human, human beings. There could be times where I have a conversation that's a little off color, there could be times where I may even look at somebody so a little too long, but there would never be a time where I would ever. Ever. On that. yeah, Well, yeah, and cross a line that would be inappropriate. Like it doesn't right. even – and then, of course, we get into what's inappropriate now, but my wife and I have our own
2: like, litmus test
0: for what is inappropriate. Right. But that whole leopard changing their spots, I just – from where I sit on this side of the table without having an eighth of the research that you've done, I don't believe that's really the case. Mm-hmm. I think you can change who you are.
1: If you if you if people couldn't change who they were, then I wouldn't have a job. <laughs> uh, I would just be taken to be like, yeah, yeah, you can change, you can change. People change when they want to change, and when mm-hmm. something um, is, if, what is that quote? If you you eventually, if you don't hate it, you'll eventually tolerate it. So if you're not so displeased with something, or just really wanting to get better with something, then you're just going to kind of continue to work at that. But people are coming to me or to other people and they're saying, look, okay, um, either, hey, my stuff's totally not together or, you know what, I got it together a little bit, how can I get better? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those things where, okay, can you not improve in your career? Of course. Um, could you not improve as a father? Absolutely. Are you only stuck with the skills you, were, you came in with or can mm-hmm. you grow? Right. Okay, so what makes you think or, like yourself or your relationship or anything would be any different?
0: Well, that's, that's an incredible impactful thing to say. Like not admittedly, I have the bias coming into this that any sort of psychiatrist, psychologist, anybody mm-hmm. in that that we I look at that as something that's broken, right? Like you only go to see somebody in that field when you when something's just horribly it's wrong. already hit the fan. Yeah, like they're the ones to put you back together. Where mm-hmm. I've always looked at like a coach, whatever you want to say, and I hate that term. Like I don't know what to call what I do. But I've looked at that for more performance optimization. Like I look mm-hmm. at Tony Robbins, he gold standard to me with how mm-hmm. I view things. Like he makes people better versions of themselves. Right. And granted, so does a psychiatrist, psychologist. Mm -hmm. But it it always there's this bias that I I, at least is present to me that it's refreshing Uh to hear you say like, look, we do a lot more than just put people back together that might have had some breaks along the way.
1: Right. Well, and see, that's the whole nature of being humans. Like we are humans raised by humans. Like we weren't raised in a petri dish. Like life impacts all of us, Mm -hmm. and like the scope that we see the world. And like if we can, for some reason, like we can in our head we can draw this line of like okay it's good like I can go to a doctor well some people still be like I don't need to go to a doctor for a checkup does something have to be wrong for you to just go get a general wellness check do you have to have something wrong of course no. not like if, if we can say okay how many times do you go shopping if you don't need something you know how many times do you go through these things where it's like not necessarily something's wrong I'm not really trying to fix something but you you, you go through and you do it anyway so mm-hmm. Um, I think that's it's kind of one of those things where it's just a, a stigma of um, not wanting to be labeled as something's wrong. Of course. But, but if we could take a step back and be like, okay, yeah, you might get upset if like your car broke or uh, you know something happened with your car, but are you going to be like kicking yourself as you're like driving in and be like, I can't believe I'm like, how stupid am I to have to go? You know, my brakes are no, like you don't get mad at your car or at yourself for your brakes like needing to be replaced. So, absolutely, why would you get mad at yourself for just being like, you know what, I could improve my skills upon something?
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Okay, so I want to keep running with that. So, we, Go we, we've got to the point where I've now been a liar and a cheater, mm-hmm. manipulator. I think some of that was more self-serving nature to get ahead in business, mm-hmm. which maybe that's a story that I talked down when I did, but. I certainly was always in a, in at least a mental warfare game with those people that I was associating with because mm-hmm. I wanted to be better than them at the end.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think I lacked moral fiber that allowed me to operate in integrity. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I could really even put a... That might even completely be a story that I've told myself over the years. Like I don't know how many times I've actually truly manipulated a situation. I think just, mm-hmm. it's just easier to say things in threes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So walk me through the next step of the process. Like You've walked me into... I'll say I'm a liar, I'm a cheater.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We've talked about what happened, why that would be, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: what's the next part of an evaluation, or a consult, or a conversation?
1: Yeah, so initially, kind of walking through, for a lot of people, just dissecting all of those pieces, Mm -hmm. um, and realizing, okay, they exist, Um, they exist, for a reason, um, you know, I notice I did, I'm responding off of emotion or off of like a trigger. So I'm doing X, Y, Z, you know, cause I didn't get what I needed from my dad or, you know, whatever the piece is, it's learning how to integrate that into your life and to say, okay, here's now where this can stop. Cause right now it's just a spinning cycle mm-hmm. of just, okay, it's a constant pattern, cause and reaction, bam, 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 as soon as we can break that cycle, should just look and be like, okay, Wait, here's why all this is going down. But most people don't have the awareness within themselves to even say, "Okay, you know, here's what's actually going on." They're just coming in to begin with because, you know, um, my wife's fed up with, with my stuff, but um, I don't really need any help. Oh, okay. Well, when we talk about it a little bit more, a few sessions later, we find out, you know, you actually like once you start talking about your childhood a little bit more. In this instance, you know, it's with your dad. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's more things we can break down. Like, let's look at what purpose this your behavior now really served and like how we can heal. What are you seeking to resolve in this situation that you kind of keep repeating the cycle? Yeah. And how do we work with that? And how do we apply that into your life? Um, And a lot of times people can come up with their own just kind of application process for beginning to realize, okay, um, I can do this, I can learn to be a better husband, I can learn to be a better father, things like that.
0: Mm -hmm. So I heard you say something there about early childhood. Mm -hmm. Like I have this thing I've said a hundred times. If I've said a hundred, I probably said a thousand. If you heal the boy, you heal the man. Mm -hmm. I don't know where I heard that from. If I read it in a book, like I'd love to read. So who knows where I picked that up from? I'm sure it's not mine, but I'm going to take credit for it. Fuck it. It's my show.
1: Right. You do what you want. I
0: patented that. That's mine. (laughs) (laughs) But in that, how true do you find that to be? Like I've always had this thing from four to 14 or so. You have traumatic events that happen. Mm -hmm. Those traumatic events, whether consciously or subconsciously, or unconsciously, mm-hmm. are creating the patterns that we operate through in adulthood. Mm-hmm. You know, which is this thing that's running in the background that you didn't pick the tribe you were born into. The mm-hmm. tribalism exists, and so your decision-making processes also exist from mm-hmm. that time period. And that until you really become aware that that is a truism, mm-hmm. it's almost impossible to create a meaningful and impactful change long-term. Mm-hmm. Like, we talk about the stories, and we talk about the beliefs, beliefs and we talk about emotions. Mm-hmm. We never get all the way down to, like, the original instances that happened. Like, the things that created the trauma that we're existing in now.
1: Wait, what are you talking about, those don't exist? What's that? They, what are you talking about? Those don't exist. Right. No, that's the thing. When are people, no, why? Why are you asking me about my childhood? None of that, none of that mattered. That wasn't a really? thing. Really? Oh, nobody. That's that's the thing. Nobody wants to. They don't think. Oh no, that that didn't happen, or that wasn't a thing. There's no way that could be something that was actually causing my distress. Now, no, it was fine. I, I got over that. How's that working for you? Yeah. It's not. You're sitting here.
0: So there's a clinical basis for that, then?
1: Yes percent of Yes, absolutely. What happens in your childhood, everything. I mean, it it carries with you. Um, and then in terms of just talking about, um, like unprocessed memory. So if we're talking about like EMDR, um, so kind of when something's stuck in your brain, like Mm -hmm. an event, um, so instead of integrating it and allowing it to kind of pass through, you find yourself being triggered and responding in all different areas of your life, um, in the same way. And you're like reliving the same trauma that you were back then. So even if it was just something as, you know, your dad yelling at you or whatever it was that, you know, you got over, it wasn't a big thing. All of a sudden you realize like, okay, I carried that with me. I took on this message that you know, I'm not good enough or whatever it is. And like, you keep, yeah. re, you keep responding after all these things, whether it's okay here, I'm going to put you in a situations where you all are going to be the ones to break up with me. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. You know, replaying that. Mm-hmm. So until you can process that and allow it to kind of work through your life, you keep responding off of the same state emotionally and physically. Your body always remembers that. Yeah. Like we were talking about that earlier, like the taste aversion thing. So for me, uh. if you say like Jägermeister, like I know like, Wait,
0: Taylor, why why do you have an adverse response to Jägermeister? That doesn't make can't any sense I can imagine why
1: me. everyone loves Jägermeister. Uh-huh. No, I mean, it vividly takes me back to like smell, taste, like, you know, palms would get sweaty, like, my body knows. Like you just say the word Jagermeister, or if I just have to smell it in passing, I'm like, mm, that was Jaeger. Mm-hmm. We know. What makes you think your body is any different versus, um, you know, someone yelling at you, saying anything bad, you know, a boss all of a sudden yelling at you, and then next thing you know, you're like taking it home and kicking the dog, and you know all this yeah. stuff. But it's like, okay, that reminded you your body was responding off of a previous memory, previous memory that wasn't integrated, and it still is like it's still active.
0: Okay. So in that, what do you do with that? Like walk me through M- EMDR. Like w- assuming that if you're listening right now, you have no idea. You've never heard this before. Like,
1: That's so good.
0: yeah, I mean, I, I have to literally just assume we have to assume that this is a, mm-hmm. a principle or an idea that is just foreign to whoever's listening.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So EMDR stands for eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing therapy. It works um, as a way to, it's a trauma therapy. Um, a lot of people, when they think of trauma, they think of, you know, natural disaster. It's, not it doesn't have to be that we have big t's and then we have like little t's so our smaller t's um are something maybe that wasn't life-threatening but it still made an impact on you so still like um a fight with you know a parent like something that happened that still kind of had a a lasting impact on you Mm -hmm. so um what emdr does so they it goes through a whole process usually and um but the kind of the key component that it's known for is bilateral stimulation is what it uses um so either with eye movements or tapping or sounds um to break that um that that thought through and allow you to kind of integrate that um and so then your therapist uses different like sets of that to kind of gauge how the memory is moving okay yeah so it's super awesome um you can tell If it's so, like, for example, if, you know, you bring up a target memory, whatever it is, um, so your therapist will kind of, like, go with you of, like, okay, is it, you know, you go and find their original instant, and then if it's um, something to where it's, like, my chest, like, I feel it in my chest, like, my chest feels heavy. It's Mm -hmm. not even always, like, memories, but um, your body. Sometimes, like, man, like, I just feel this feeling on my chest. It's, like, okay, go with that. You do a set. Okay, it's moving. Um, I feel it more like kind of in my stomach now. Okay, um, I'm remembering this time of you know when my dad X Y Z. So it just kind of like you're going through and you're working through um, the memory until it kind of comes out as something um, more positive until your target doesn't change. So it's allowing it to um, adapt into your mind to where you look at it as just a memory, to where you don't say. Jaeger and my hands start getting sweaty. So right. I need to do EMDR on Jaeger essentially. Yeah. But that's what it will do. It so desensitizes. It still is a memory that you you still are fully aware of. It's never something that, you know, we're just going to zap that out of your brain. You'll still be fully aware of it. It just mm-hmm. you won't be responding off of that same um stimulus emotionally anymore. it Won't have the same response. It won't hurt whenever you say it, you know.
0: Okay. So I have had an adverse reaction to English muffins from McDonald's. Dead serious. Like, I got incredibly sick when I was little. Like, I remember being in the car with my dad. I remember never having one before. We stopped at McDonald's. I ended up getting violently ill. I'm pretty sure I had the flu or something. I don't believe Uh it was related. Uh Still to this day, when I smell an English muffin, when the girls, Lindsay, Gianna, have English muffins at the house, I have to leave before they toast them. Like, it makes me literally start to dry heave when I smell an English muffin. Hmm. So let's walk through what this process could look like. Super high level.
1: uh, Well, so we would probably work on, like, the distress around it and, like, kind of, like, what that would mean. So it's like, okay, is this something that um, is coming out of a place of, like, helplessness for you? Like, I felt helpless, like I couldn't control the situation I couldn't control that. I was, like, throwing up. So then you just kind of, like, go through and work with that. Um, we use a lot of, like, scaling questions. Um, so
0: when do, when's the, the sound and light treatment? When does that come into the equation? Like, how does that part not work? Not
1: till later. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's going to be far more down the line. Um, we have this whole manual that we go through. I'm mm-hmm. sure the really good ones haven't memorized by now. But it's, I mean, pages upon pages. And it's, like, if answered yes to this, go back to why. And so you're, like, flipping back and going back and all around. Um, but so yeah, eventually then you get to the point where you're desensitizing the stimulus. And so then you just do like sets and stuff. So
0: very fascinating because mm-hmm. I know I've shared with you that I'm really big into like a uh, electro stim devices mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. way to reprogram neural pathways based off, uh, basically electronic uh, electronic stimulation from both your lobes. Mm hmm. Right. And seeing how that has completely changed my meditation practice and my Mm -hmm. sleep patterns as well as my energy, Mm -hmm. like with very small, I actually have it in my bag to to share it with you. But it's fascinating to see just how, and it comes with light treatment as well, Mm -hmm. like glasses you put on, it's called a David machine and it flashes lights and different sounds and like it's all encompassing. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And it's rapidly increased my ability to both remember things, but Mm -hmm. also have awareness and alertness Mm -hmm. all day. I can't imagine how impactful it is to do something like that during a a treatment therapy Mm
1: -hmm.
0: of like dealing with repressed or Mm -hmm. non-processed memories.
1: Right. Yeah. So yeah. So basically then you're kind of encompassing like a similar like feeling that you're getting through it of like, okay, man, your insights are different, things like that Mm -hmm. versus, okay, now we're applying the, what was the deeper meaning behind all of that? You know, what was that like negative belief that you from that event that you took on and that you're still carrying with you and like you're playing out through your life. And then after that, then we're going through and we're asking again, okay, now how distressing does that feel on a scale of one to 10? Mm -hmm. What would you prefer to believe about yourself instead? And like we go through and then doing more sets and like instilling that. So it's a huge process, but yes, essentially we're taking um, similar components of that, but then adding more therapy around it to kind of help. Like, okay, yeah, that happened, but it doesn't hurt anymore.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. So, Taylor, what? At what point in life did you know you want to go down this path? Like the the whole psychiatry, psychology, like that. That's a pretty deep rabbit hole. to me, yeah. I was not enough. I was not mature enough at 20, 18, 19, 20 to realize that there could be benefit in doing that. Like,
1: mm-hmm. how
0: did you get to that point?
1: So, um, with the counseling field in general, or just mm-hmm. with like EMDR. Both. So, okay, so counseling in general. Um, I realized in second grade um, one of my family members had committed suicide. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was sexually abused as a child. Yeah. Really deep stuff. Yeah. Um, and didn't really come out fully until after he had passed. And I just remember he was a a veteran too, a Marine. And I remember after he had passed, I was just like, I, my heart like couldn't even begin to like realize like compartmentalize that people went through that much pain in their life that they thought life wasn't worth living. Mm -hmm. And like knowing that, that just like, I was like, okay, we, I don't know what i do with this, but that just, I mean, was a huge moment for me. And obviously in second grade, I didn't even really know what that meant. And then when I went off to college, I'm like, okay, you know, this is kind of the area I want to go. And I took a family relations class. And I was like, oh, that's it. Like, it hit the nail on the head. I love people. Um, I love knowing how people work, how they interact, how we can improve as people, with people, all of it. I just loved it. And it was kind of the one area, too, that really... Um, like struck an interest with me that stayed I wasn't always very good at math or other things that all just kind of like it wasn't my thing but once i hit this i mean i wasn't going out in college i was staying and reading like child development books i just became obsessive with the process of it and yeah. everything i wanted to know as much as i could which i still am about that um and then so then i knew i'm like okay therapy that's the way i want to go so grad school follow that and then um, i'm very fortunate um, one of my family members is a marriage and family therapist in California and she was speaking with me about EMDR and she's like, you gotta check this out. It's, I mean, it's a game changer and mm-hmm. it's really moving mountains for a lot of people. And then especially one of those areas being PTSD, which is so prominent with a lot of our military people. So that's something that I was like, oh yeah, totally. That's what I wanna get into. Cause it's it's happening fast and it's mm-hmm. not, it's so much, it's less distressing um, for clients because they don't have to go through and spill their entire story. Um, so they get to pick, they get to choose how much they want to disclose with you with EMDR. They can, because all we're looking for as therapists is, is this changing? Is it moving? Is it positive? Like, we need some insight as to like what it is, but you don't fully have to disclose like all the details of your, of this specific memory or like what it is you're experiencing. And it, it's still just as, as effective.
0: That's crazy I mean, How is it just as effective without exposing the whole ball of wax like how does that work
1: because we don't need to know like what it is because the the all we're working with is like okay so we have this memory that we're working with we're working on how you feel about it and then we're working on processing it which is the bilateral simulation Mm -hmm. i don't need to know what it is that's going on with you in terms of like the things you like what the memory actually i don't need a description of the trauma i don't need to know the who what when where why how like we don't need to know all of that like in this moment you don't have to say. Okay, now I'm having a flashback to the time, and list it all. No, like we're just we're looking for brief moments of, is this changing? Is this moving?
0: And so the is it changing? Is it moving? Is based off a present mi- present day mindset, without ever going all the way back to the original trauma, at least verbally to the counselor.
1: So, when we say like is it changing? Um, so, it's what we're having you initially start with. We say okay, go with that. You're free to think whatever it is you think no thought is off or wrong or sensation. So it doesn't even always have to be a, a thought. It can be like, man my stomach's hurt. Like I'm getting a really strong pain in my stomach. Cool. Go with it. Next thing, um, yeah, like my my I feel like I my, my palms just way. Go with it. Also I was like, man, now I'm thinking of this time when I was like getting in getting up in high school or like I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but I had high school speech. Cool. Go with it. And then it's like okay and it's like all of a sudden things start like coming back around it's like we don't need to know the specifics of like what what all all that was what that entailed why you're like i'm not gonna be like okay so tell me how do you feel about getting nervous to give a speech in high school no we're not looking for all that we're just like okay it's moving good now son you're like oh man i don't know why i'm thinking the funniest thing actually now i'm remembering this time there's a rabbit okay cool go with that you know whatever it is it's like you're looking for things to get positive or to change um, and, or, and then for it, like not to change. So that's mm-hmm. how we kind of know. And then we kind of ask, you know, okay, what was that? And then we'll, depending on like where you are in the session, cause you don't clear a target necessarily every session. Okay. Um, so you might close one session and then come back and then there's like a whole protocol that you go through to like revisit it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in the meantime, that's another amazing thing is processing continues after you leave of course. Um, any new insights you get, any different thoughts, um, we just encourage them to clients to write it down, bring it back and let us know kind of like what those are. But that's the nice thing is just having that time. Sometimes still things are like, man, now I kind of feel this way about this. Mm-hmm. It's like, cool. Bring that back to session. And that is, cause that's your brain, like mo- working through all that. Yeah. I mean, think of it like lactic acid in your muscles or something like you're working literally the stuff out of your brain and into just a memory of like, yeah, I can see that that was still there. But I don't. I don't feel the same about it anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. I had no idea it was at the level you didn't have to really dive into a verbal representation of the original incident. Mm-hmm. Wow, you can, it, that's, that's different.
1: It is because, and that's that's one of the things that um, research was showing is that it's not. Oh, and it can be. It's not always beneficial for clients to give the full detailed history of their trauma. Like it's just not necessary, and mm-hmm. it's not. Essentially, you're flooding them all at once. So it's it's really intense um, feelings and it's for a longer time. Versus EMDR, it's intense but it's short. And we teach you how to contain it. So say, okay, you know, this is also in the moment. At any time, you can make the choice to, you know, say, okay, I need to stop. Or just, and we use an analogy of like, okay, it's like you're on a train. And um, you're looking out the window or whatever. Like, just notice the scenery. Just let it go by. We're not giving anything, any thoughts or meaning. So just to remind yourself of, like, okay, like, this is just old stuff. It's just passing through. So to help clients work through and remember that. Versus if I sit here and say, okay, tell me this whole detailed history of your trauma. What all you experienced. You are going to be, like, in a state of hyperarousal or hypo arousal mm-hmm. for, you know, the whole hour or whatever. Then you go home and you're upset. And it's, like, that's a very prolonged time. And it's, like, you're flooding clients and so sometimes it's like it's just not beneficial and then also in terms for um the clinician they found that it's better like we don't need to hear all that we don't you can share as much as you want but it's like it, it can be beneficial for us to to not always you know constantly hear all that which is it's encouraged still to share whatever it is like the level that you want to share but
2: mm-hmm.
1: a lot of clients or some clients sometimes feel a little uncomfortable sharing some of those things and even if they feel like they can trust someone it's it can be, you know, shameful to them or whatever. They might not fully trust. Whereas other people, they'd be like, okay, I feel fine talking about this with you, and or I think it would actually be beneficial for me to share because I haven't shared it with anyone before. Mm-hmm. It's like whatever is best for each person. But sometimes just giving clients that um, that kind of little little nugget right there to say okay you you can pick and choose what you have to say because people think of therapy and like I have to sit on a couch and I just have to like tell you all my guts and I don't want to and it's gonna be so painful and you know the reality is it's like it might hurt a little bit going through talking about this memory but the after facts and what you're gonna gain afterwards is beneficial and it's not EMDR isn't one of those things where it can't make you worse right you're not gonna leave here you're not gonna leave here worse than you were when you, when you walked in the door. You might not have fully processed it yet. It might still take a few sessions because it might have been a deeper target, mm-hmm. anything like that, but it can't make anything worse. So,
0: That's so crazy. I had no idea you know. it operated that way. Uh-huh. So, so with that, Taylor, how do you set up your own walls to not, like you're dealing with some deep-rooted stuff, mm-hmm. right, like someone on your side of the table or on your side of the couch or however you want to say it mm-hmm. in some sort of cliche metaphor you hear a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. or there's a lot of pain that comes into mm-hmm. your office or comes into those four walls.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What do you do to disassociate with that? Like, how do you, have you even ma- mastered that process yet? Like for me, I know I, I don't deal with a third of the things that someone mm-hmm. in your position would have. But you know, people cry and people are downloading mm-hmm. trauma, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm receiving a part of that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How do you not carry that with you?
1: Mm-hmm. So, so, and sometimes it is definitely harder than others. There's times where, I mean, you're human, you're gonna feel things too, but it's just constantly keeping in mind um, when I'm sitting across from someone and I'm listening to this, like I'm serving a purpose being there and I have a role to fill and it's my job to be in that role. So to stay in there, like I'm not doing them a service mm-hmm. if, I, if I join in on their emotional party with them. So if I take on their stuff, I'm suddenly doing them a disservice. I'm doing harm to them if I allow myself to get overworked or super bothered by things. Um, but in terms of just that, um, meditating helps. There's a lot of apps that you can use on your phone, go through just doing a five minute like meditation, anything just kind of reminding yourself like, okay, it's fine. Um, and then just self care, working out a lot, things just helping keep all of that where it is and knowing that like, that's my purpose, that's what I'm here for. So mm-hmm. like, I, have to, I have to maintain this role, because if not, then I'm just another person that they're sharing something to that can't handle their, their stuff that they're unloading on you, which for some clients, it's like that is, that is a pattern that's been replayed, mm-hmm. is that you know, they did share something with someone and it was met with a harsh rejection. So they want to be able to sit in front of someone that can listen and actually be of service to them and help them and not join in on their emotional party with them.
0: Of course. And I've heard a couple other things, too. Like, I say often how you do one thing is how you do everything. And how you're literally saying that some of these emotional traumas are manifesting themselves or presenting themselves across multiple avenues of someone's life, right? It's mm-hmm. not just a single point. Like, if my dad yelled at me when I was young, mm-hmm. and so I'm adverse to conflict, like, that's not just a work-related or a relationship-related issue. That's mm-hmm. also self-deprecating to me, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's not... There's a bunch of ways that that's becoming present.
1: Right. You're not just distinguishing it to one area of your life. It's not like, okay, I'm going to put up a blocker here, and you're only going to go this far. And it doesn't always work out that way.
0: Yeah, it doesn't sound like it. And then same thing with hearing. I love hearing you discuss meditation and, and fitness. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you, you're you a, a fit individual. Like You take care of yourself. You, mm-hmm. you take pride in appearance, as I think so many of us do.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But it's more than just the outward acceptance of how we look, right? I mean. I call it weaponizing our bodies and not a thing of like some macho machismo like, oh, I'm a Spartan. But the fact of look, the, the world is coming at us every day, mm-hmm. right? And whether you are an active participant in that or you're taking a back seat because you're not present and aware, everybody's coming at you in some capacity. And whether mm-hmm. you're a woman and you have a bunch of men coming at you because they want you to occupy time and space mm-hmm. or even what women may be potentially – talking snide about you like I don't know Mm -hmm. the the struggles of life that you would Mm -hmm. go through but you know much the same on my side Mm -hmm. right people want to pick and poke and tear Mm -hmm. apart and to me having that the meditation practice has helped me tremendously at least 15 minutes a day Mm -hmm. has has been my gold standard for quite some time and really 15 minutes now twice a day just because I like to do it before I go to bed and other thought process there. I'd just love to hear more about your practice on meditation and working out and how that applies to the psyche and mm-hmm. why it's beneficial. Like This is not a thing, if you are listening and you think you can listen to a podcast or go to a psychiatrist or psychologist and that's going to magically, like it's going to fix everything for you. Mm-hmm. It might fix things for a while.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: In my opinion, I'm not the professional at this table, <laughs> but in my opinion, you need so many more healthy habits built around you
2: mm-hmm.
0: to almost encapsulate yourself from going back down those paths Mm -hmm. but that's how I view the world and I don't have eight years of schooling to prove that I might be right
1: (laughs) no you're dead on there um so essentially in in therapy too I don't know many clinicians that would disagree that oh yeah we're going to send our clients off without giving them tools and resources to continue the work that they're doing here because it's like okay you can process this But aside from all of this work, even if you're coming into counseling, like any human, like let's just generalize this. Any human, you need to take care of yourself. Like you need to work on your mind. Not just oh, I'm only going to work on my mind because I'm in counseling and I'm going through some stuff. Like every person, you need to work on your mind and and how you how you view the world and how all of those things all kind of because you you do you take them with you. It's how Mm -hmm. you view how you do one thing, how you do everything. Like you can't once you kind of learn. The self-awareness thing, which is what meditating and so much of that, um, even, like, working out, you're becoming very self-aware. Once you're learning to, like, recognize your own internal cues, it's like, okay, now I can realize... You know i wasn't really mad about this i was mad about this okay like it's easier for you to um, manage your emotions and regulate your emotions when you know kind of what they're coming from but you first have to be able to get in tune with yourself Mm -hmm. to kind of quiet your mind take the time you know away from the kids job whatever to quiet it but yeah you're 100 percent right that it does you need that time
0: so with that time do you have an app or a series of apps that you would recommend for meditation?
1: Yes. So, one is um, the Insight Timer app. Mm-hmm. When I got it like a few years ago, it was free. Someone told me they tried downloading it the other day and it wasn't free.
0: But let's even say it's not free. And I'm, I'm going to poke on this. Okay. I realize that we are in different places in life. The mm-hmm. wealth that I have or don't have is different than the wealth that you mm-hmm. have or you don't have. Mm-hmm. If there comes a day in my life that I'm not willing to invest $15, and I don't know how much this app costs,
1: it would be like a dollar or two.
0: But let's even say it's fifty. let's say it's twenty bucks.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm going to challenge you that if you don't believe you're worth you yourself is twenty dollars, mm-hmm. there's some inherent things that you should work through pretty quickly because you're doing it for you. It's not the thing of paying the app company twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. Like, that's truly not what this is. Mm-hmm. like it, to me, it's a self value equation. like I get right. it. if it's thousands of dollars, you might not have thousands of dollars. You might not have thousand dollars to work with a coach or go to some massive life changing event. It's twenty fucking bucks for an app. And like you said, Taylor, right. it's probably two or five bucks like it's not attack at you. It's just so often I had an episode a couple of days ago about not wanting free things, because yeah, we just don't put as much value on something that's free. Like mm-hmm. I get your budget could be tight, but if your bud that's that's the time you lean into this. When
2: mm-hmm.
0: if you were down to your last forty bucks, you're going to give a hell of a lot more of energy and mm-hmm. effort into the twenty dollar thing that you buy, right? Because it matters. Like it's but, saving you.
1: But so then again, like take any <laughs> occupation you have or anything you do in life, um, you know, it's like can we agree if you're listening to this you, I think we could all agree, you want to become better at something, mm-hmm. or else you probably wouldn't just stumble on this you you be watching TV, doing something else with your time if you didn't want to learn how to get better. So why are we drawing a line in the sand as to like how far we'll go to get better? Like, I'll get better in my work, I'll get better at cooking, I'll get better at this, but um, no, I don't want to get better here. I don't want to get better at um, you know my emotions, my feelings. Okay, that could be a whole nother session in and of itself. It's okay, what are you, what, what are your hang-ups here? Because why? Because we think if we take off that layer right there, it's going to expose something that we don't want to see.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's so much of it. I mean, nobody wants to be the jackass, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's something that's been very therapeutic for me to just download and dump all of my shit,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? Like, it's been this thing. There were all these stories before, like, I'm alone. Mm-hmm. I'm the only one that's going through this. That I'm going to be judged. I'm going to be ridiculed. Mm-hmm. Like, those were all things. And those were all true in some capacity at mm-hmm. some point in my life. There's something that exhibited that that brought me to where I'm at today. Mm-hmm. But the minute I decided to take ownership over all my shit, and I'm sure Mm -hmm. I'm forgetting some. Like I'm I'm sure if you're listening, you have something on me you can dig up that I haven't shared yet, but I'll figure it out and share it. Like you're not gonna use that shit against me. (laughs) But in that, once you start just taking this extreme ownership of what you've been through and realize that the minute I put out the first episode about using steroids, the number of people that reach out to me that said, Wow, that took balls, like I've been doing it too, and I don't want to be on them anymore. And it's not even a thing of like being quote unquote addicted to steroids. It was just factual. Like Mm We're, we both in our own times have been in the competitive fitness mm-hmm. aspect landscape, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Like, it's part of that culture, really. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's just,
1: it's a n- more normal, yeah, it's, it's, it's very I'll,
0: I'll say ex- accepted in that, mm-hmm. in those circles, right? Like, to, to say you're taking testosterone, people would look at you more strangely as a man if you said you weren't taking testosterone and competing than if you were, right? Right? It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa.
1: and not in a natural division, yes, yeah, correct? It's like, <laughs> wait, what, what's happening here, right?
0: And just start downloading and dumping all this, and all these people come out of the woodwork, and we're like, "Bro, you're like, help me! I want, I don't want, I don't want to be on, the, I don't want to go down mm-hmm. this path anymore." Or same thing with cheating or lying. Like, a commonality for me is pain shared is pain divided.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We all have pain. Like you're, you're kidding yourself if you can say you don't have any pain or any trauma right. in your life. We all have it. We've all been a victim, but you're choosing to carry a victim mentality.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The minute you start sharing it and getting rid of it, it literally loses power.
1: But, well, but see, that's the thing is that people don't realize is that they think okay if i if i repress it if i keep this thing buried down doesn't have control over my life the reality of it is you are actively living off of that thing that you are not wanting to open up the moment you say i'm not opening up about it everything will be off of that every time you're snapping about something whatever is bringing you back to that same active memory Mm -hmm. you are reliving on that over and over and over and it, it has more control over your life than you realize but as soon as you open it up it totally takes the steam out of it. It's like, okay, yeah, I see that part of myself. I see how that's connected, and I'm not, I'm not having that no more. Like, you t- once you get that weight off your chest, it is. It's a weight off your chest. But the longer you try to like squeeze that and compress it and compress it and compress it, the louder and the louder it's going to get, and it will catch up with you, one day. So to just kind of like, it's like let it off. You think you think by repressing it, or it it didn't happen, or it wasn't that bad, or that didn't affect me. You, you think by saying that, you know, that that means it, it's true that it didn't really bother you. But mm-hmm. the reality is you are live. It's actively living away and it's seeping through this. I see so many people that I'll watch and they'll be like, oh, no, I'm through that or I'm done. This This is just in my personal life, not even clinically. And they're like, ah, oh, that that didn't really bother me. Like, really? Your hands are clenched awfully tight right now. Mm-hmm. Like that, that didn't bother you? Really? It wasn't that bad. You weren't that mad about it, huh? Okay. But if we just kind of like it may be like, okay, we're just going like to let, let it off just a little bit. We're going to do these things. We're going to meditate. We're just going to clear the air a little bit that it would just kind of dissipate. Yeah. And it doesn't have control over it anymore. It has more control over you when you try to keep it quiet than right. it does after you've talked about it. Because what, what control does your past have over your life now that you've opened it up? Well, none.
0: (laughs) I mean, literally none. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: You know, for me being a a big fan of Dr. Joe Dispenza and Mm -hmm. and how, you know, the past is dictated, like you can choose to live in your memories of your past or create the memories of your future. Mm -hmm. Like it is literally a conscious decision. Mm -hmm. And I don't know anybody, like there's just, again, false pretense. uh, I'll call it even a misconception that if you go to a counselor or a coach or a therapist that you're broken. Like you don't want to go admit that outwardly. Mm I don't know anybody that's went to consistent counseling sessions that is not now a hyper aware better version of themselves. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know anybody that comes out the backside of someone's like, oh, that guy's even worse. Like Mm -hmm. what the fuck did he do? Mm -hmm. It's never that way, right? Like you get over the story that you're telling yourself of, like in your tribe, the societal confines that Mm -hmm. exist that are judging you for going to better yourself. Mm -hmm. You find the internal courage to find like, fuck it, something's got to change because I feel miserable. Right. And then you become the hyper-aware version that everyone ends up leaning into anyways because they want what you have and they don't understand how you got it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like I literally see that mm-hmm. all day long with everybody that I work with.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's a fraction, again, of what you get to work with and how it works.
1: Right. And absolutely. And it's, and it's this idea, hyper-aware doesn't hurt. It's not like people think, oh my gosh, if I'm so aware of these things, I'm going to see all these being hyperware doesn't hurt. It it just gives you awareness of your life and allows you to see the world a little bit differently and much more calm. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, huh, that sucks. That happened. But you're not, you're not bothered by every little thing. There's Mm -hmm. some people that constantly are just living off of such distress over and over and over again. And it's like, if we could just take a deep breath, realizing what's going on for us right now and like, what, okay, what's really happening? What am I really upset about? Okay. It's not that bad. Like, okay, I can work through this, okay, uh, last time I know when I got upset like this, I made it through it, I just, um, you know, did some reading, some meditating, and I was good to go. Like find your, you know, your setup, your, whatever your like checklist is, whatever your, you know, little code is that you kind of can break, I know what mine is, like if I'm feeling XYZ, i Z, I'm like, okay, I could try XYZ. I know like what my little list is, my little hacks for like getting me out of things, so mm-hmm. it just kind of depends on each person, but it's so much easier once you kind of like, cut off the seal.
0: Oh, absolutely it is. And when I start to think of all the people that would have value and benefit from just trying to become a little more self aware like mm-hmm. it's it's this crazy thing where we all experience emotion
2: mm-hmm.
0: I don't if you're listening and you're breathing, you have experienced emotions mm-hmm. in your life today you've experienced emotions, both positive and negative, mm-hmm. like traffic's made you upset, a call from your husband or wife made you happy. Mm-hmm somebody spilling pot like th- you had emotions all day long
2: mm-hmm.
0: what you are choosing to do with them or not doing with them is what's dictating the success that you get to have in the future like it's literally a conscious choice mm-hmm. so in acting as though those emotions don't exist you're not only repressing it but you're actually like putting a lid on your future ability to succeed and thrive mm-hmm. because you're not even present with what's going on so it's mm-hmm. like you're saying that presence of emotion i find so often with the, with my clients and people i'm working with spending time with like as a man we've been taught like, I was taught literally my father did the best he mm-hmm. could, like, not not attacking him. But to be a man was to have a stiff upper lip, don't show emotion, mm-hmm. you know, go out, provide, make a good living, bring money mm-hmm. home to the family, like, be the man, right? Like, mm-hmm. show up, like, be the tough guy. Nowhere in there is like, okay, so I'm, I'm going to sit down and I tell you how to process through emotions because you're going to feel some shit today. Mm-hmm. Like. A girl's going to say no, she doesn't want to go out with you, and here's how we can work, work mm-hmm. through that. Like, that part of the playbook was just left out from mm-hmm. the male psyche, at least in my household. I'm, mm-hmm. If you're one of the fortunate ones that has a father that explained all that to you, more power to you. I just don't think it exists that much because mm-hmm. there's not a lot of psychiatrists and psychologists and specialists running around to help break some of these cycles.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and It's even a matter, too, of not even of it being explained as much as it is just modeled. Yeah. So, were your, Was your parent the kind of parent that said, you know, you start crying? And, I, you know, stop crying. I'll give you something to cry about. Oh,
2: yeah. Were they the kind of.
1: Yeah, exactly. So what what does that teach you there? OK, my emotions are invalid um, and I need to stop or else I will be punished. OK, what does it teach you? You know, um, dad gets angry, pulls out a belt or mm-hmm. beats his kid. What did you just teach your kid? You get angry. You get mad. We hurt other people. Yeah. Ha- have your own opinion. What it is about speaking. But it's like that's what you're modeling to your kid. You get flooded you're mad because that's what one of my um one of my professors said in my undergrad when my when I where I went to school was in a, a smaller town and in a rural rural area I hate that word so much <sighs> um and he would talk about like spanking and how people what their opinions were of it and he's like Well, okay my question is are you are you spanking your kid out of anger and like nine times out of ten it was yeah like the kid's not listening to me like I'm beating them like okay well you're responding out of anger and rage and you're showing your kid when you get angry when you get mad it's okay to hurt people it's okay to do whatever it is that you want to do It's like mm-hmm. these are things that are being modeled so it's not even here like you're not showing any emotional regulation yourself yeah to where if you sat down and be like listen like mine's really you know upset with you right now if you're listening i asked you nicely many times not to do this like you need to go upstairs to your room now and you need to calm down it's like okay that's teaching kids how to emotionally regulate themselves. It's gonna teach them to where they're then the calm, cool, collective boss that, you know, if somebody else is you know going crazy, it's like, okay, you can, the the moment you learn to manage your emotions is when you can step outside of something. It doesn't mean you have to, um, you know, be this emotional creature and, which there's nothing wrong with that. But what if you could look at, if being more in tune with your emotions allow you to step outside of something and say, look at something more objectively and be like, okay, Here's a problem right now in my business um, and here are possible solutions to fix it because as opposed to what happens is okay instead I was taught we get flooded, we get mad, we don't know what to do with our emotions we fly off the handle so now I'm presented with a problem in my business I don't know what to do you can't come how are you going to come up with a solution when you are up here and in order to make any kind of conscious decision you need to be down here mm-hmm you're not. So it's like we kind of, again, we draw the lines as to where being emotional and where like being in tune with our emotions is beneficial. I don't think many people would disagree to say, oh, is it beneficial to have um, a calm outlook on things when you're trying to manage problems? I think many people are like, yeah, that's a good idea to be able to look at something objectively and understand what's actually going on in a situation as opposed to taking everything personally and thinking somebody did something to you and now everything else is everybody else's problem, but then you solve the problem at hand but yet you're now dealing with a problem at hand and then the problem you're not perceiving it to be.
0: Yes. Man, that's so crazy. Awesome. I, 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 well, yeah, I, I see why you enjoy this. And obviously I enjoy it from, I've cracked the surface of this, I think in the past year of starting mm-hmm. to dive into more, we'll even touch base on spiral dynamics. What's your What's your take on spiral dynamics and, and its inner workings into I'll say society or psychology as a whole? Like so, it's, it's, a, it's a little, it can be obscure, right? It can be one of those polarizing, topics it seems like
1: so spiral dynamics what do you mean specifically
0: so essentially how the the levels of the psyche all build upon each other mm-hmm. how you t- you can take a, a, of course you know maslow's hierarchy mm-hmm. which we all have inherent needs that we mm-hmm. need to fulfill i think that's pretty easy for most people same mm-hmm. thing with some of the freudian things that mm-hmm. would exist but you start getting to to back in some of his his concepts as far as you know or claire graves you know the founder however you want to look mm-hmm. at it and how you have color-coded levels of the psyche that exist based off of if you're able to achieve certain levels of fulfillment, what mm-hmm. happens when one of those levels of fulfillment gets broken? Like, where do you mm-hmm. retreat back to? Much of the trauma that we're, we're discussing, really, mm-hmm. but that these levels all stack up on top of each other, mm-hmm. and whether there's eight levels or nine levels or 10, like, sure, every new scholar comes out and says, there's a new level that none of us have experienced mm-hmm. before. Uh, okay, whatever. At, at some base level, my very you know, neophyte understanding of how mm-hmm. spiral dynamics works. It's just the levels that stack on top of one, one another that are, you know, cross correlating and codependent.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So either way, no matter like what kind of hierarchy it is it, it, being exactly that, yes, it's a building block for a reason. Mm-hmm. So the moment something happens at one uh, moment to so say like in your childhood and then something wasn't worked through. So then again, emotionally, you're still responding off of that same age you were whenever that happened. So if something happened to you, um, you know, traumatic when you're eight, it's like emotionally, when you get flooded and you get back to that point, you're reverting back to the, the eight year old, you mm-hmm. know, like, so now so you're, you know, 40 years old married and you know, your wife says something to you and you storm off and slam the door when you leave or woman, you know, it's like yeah. either way, you're still throwing a temper tantrum throwing your way. Well, I'm not talking to you, you know, whatever it is, it's like you're still responding off of that same subset. Or if that was a learned behavior, you know, that could be a whole other thing, but yeah, it definitely is there for a reason. and once we learn to stack those things properly and how to use those to our advantage and go back and work through, okay, we missed something here. Let's go back and what was I missing here and how do I how do i how do I pull that back in there? what 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 did I need at that age that I didn't get?
0: Yeah, I, I love that. And so some of these topics I can understand as you're listening might be a little obscure. So I'll say, look at it as though we're talking about, the 12 grades of schooling. Mm-hmm. right? 12th grade, you graduate high school. You could have mastered up to grade 10 and mm-hmm. then taken some 12th grade classes, but you had to still eventually backfill in grade 11. right? Like You had to. There were things there that whether you thought you were brilliant enough or not, you had to take some core dependencies from the 11th grade mm-hmm. in order to master those skills to truly become a 12th grader and then to graduate high school. Mm-hmm. And what happened to me, in my opinion, in the emotional minefield that's our psyche, is we try to skip these levels sometimes, like whether it's because of socioeconomic standards, whether it's because of new opportunities that present themselves, whether it's our parents didn't know how to fully develop our previous levels. Mm-hmm. Like there's all types of variables that go into this. But at some point, you all of a sudden you, you wake up and you're a level six or seven, and you didn't ask to be le- level six or seven. Like life made mm-hmm. you a level six or seven, but you still didn't backfill level three, four, or five. Mm-hmm. Right? Not all the way. Not all the way maxed out. Mm-hmm. So you've mastered it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You've just been present in those areas enough to you know scratch the surface, mm-hmm. and then. Poof! things happen. Like life mm-hmm. comes at you and mm-hmm. breakups happen and loss of parents happen mm-hmm. and trauma happens. Mm-hmm. Right? And you just revert back to these old old ways because you mm-hmm. haven't figured out the new ways in between.
1: Right. So a lot of that too um, I see kind of played out so like um, a lot of times in like divorce cases or anything where it's like a, a younger child was parentified and so they were basically made like the parent or another adult of the house. So one day they woke up you said and now all of a sudden you have to your man at the house Your such and such dad left whatever it is mm-hmm. now you have to fill this role so suddenly you took them from this level to now this level okay well guess what there still is this gap between here where they missed that but you're now demanding something out of a 12 year old that they really missed these three gaps right here yeah so it does it creates a huge disconnect
0: that's so crazy to think of to me this is all very simple it's just not easy Right. Like it, it's simple to see from my vantage point now, OK, gosh, here's here's how the mind kind of works. Right. And mm-hmm. here's gosh, I really don't want to screw up my kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just being present in every moment of not raising my voice and mm-hmm. not spanking and not like having a conversation with Gianna as though she's an adult. Mm-hmm. Like, How do you process through things? How do you not create these negative feedback mm-hmm. loops? I mean, she's eight, oh, nine in December, mm-hmm. been in election two she was four and been super present of all this for at least the past year and a half, two mm-hmm. years and just like all the things that were traumatic events for me that I remember, mm-hmm. doing everything I can not have those be present for her. Because mm-hmm. again, she, she's an incredibly brilliant young lady mm-hmm. and has two great biological parents. I mean, her, her father's actively involved in her life, so mm-hmm. she's got a lot great of good influence. System. Absolutely. But it's still, not only is it support, it's also the things that you don't see that you're doing, right, like our traumas, for me personally, it's not only like dad spanking me, like that's easy. Mm-hmm. It's also dad not showing up at a football game.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? That's in my, I'll call it trauma hierarchy, I mm-hmm. can't say one is that far ahead of the other one. Mm-hmm. They're both seared in my mind of like, yeah, like boy, these are painful. And it's just being so aware of that, that these are all choices that we get to make as an adult that as children, you didn't have the choice. Mm-hmm. right? Like You weren't developed to the point of being able to understand why things were going on. Mm-hmm. So all you're seeing is a negative ramification of the emotions that you're feeling mm-hmm. as a child, unable to process what those emotions mean.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's why for a lot of people... A lot of their pain from their childhood doesn't come up until after they're married and they're having kids. They didn't realize how much something hurt. And they might even be not even be aware enough to say, you know, oh, man, this is going on for me. Next thing you know, they're just getting mad and they're getting upset. And they're responding off of, again, that same system, not even being aware of, oh, I'm actually really upset about this because I'm, you know, I'm responding a certain way. And I'm just not realizing I was upset that my dad didn't go to my games. Mm-hmm. Or my mom didn't do X, Y, Z. My mom was always working, whatever it was. And then all of a sudden you realize you're responding on the same system with your kid. And you didn't realize that that really did bother you until you're kind of in that same situation again.
0: It's so crazy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now we, we I heard you touch base on PTSD,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I know you obviously from what sounds like someone in your family that you have a strong tie to the veteran community for your own reasons.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I can't help but be incredibly curious about hallucinogens. I know we've touched base a little bit. I know it's not your <laughs> I know it's not, not your bo- it's not all. your expertise, but as far as there's a ton of clinical studies right now on what is it um. What's the thing in ecstasy? MDMA. Mm. In clinical trials mm. to help overcome PTSD. Have you heard anything about these? Like, I'm completely putting it on spot in the answers. No, I get it. But, like, there's – like, it's in early mm-hmm. FDA approval that mm-hmm. this actually works. Like, it's right. no longer a thing of, like, oh, I just want to go pop some Molly and see what happens. Right. Like, in clinical doses in small, confined mm-hmm. areas, you're able to – they're f- curing PTSD. Mm-hmm. Are you, is this, is, am, I, am I speaking out of school? Have you heard this before?
1: Um, so yeah, that's definitely not in the textbooks yet, but um, I have like heard of um, that being brought up. It's been brought to my awareness multiple times. Um, I haven't read like specifically the studies on it, but from, and without looking at it, what I could be able to take from that would be similar to an EMDR type thing, allowing you to process the memories, difference being you're not the one actually like doing the footwork for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like you're taking something and allowing it to kind of work through on its own. Now with complex PTSD, I'm sure that would be um, h- add another level to it potentially. Yeah. Um, of of benefit. I don't think it's um, necessarily for everyone. Just be like, oh man, I had some stuff. Now I'm just gonna go lay in a bed by myself. And take this i'm gonna wake up and i'm gonna be healed because that's what we would rather do is not expose ourselves ourselves to other people and like work through and realize what other parts because like you need to integrate other things with that somewhere for ptsd complex just to even get them to a functioning point Mm -hmm. functioning so to speak to where it's like they you can keep them in their window of tolerance to where you can talk about these things and they're not flooded great for the general population I'm sure you would love to just go and pop some doses and be like, I don't have to go talk to anybody, but it's like we can then talk about why you don't want to go talk about anything because that's not going to improve your marriage then or all these other areas of your life, of your communication with people. Yeah, it might have taken out a chunk of it and allow you to, like, breathe, but then in turn that would be kind of equivalent to just, like, throwing you back into the world. Like, so similar to veterans, so it's like they kind of do their best to, like, reintegrate you before bringing you back, but it's, like, essentially – you took them from where you're like in complete survival mode so here, now go sit on your couch and like go to the grocery store or something. What? Like, you, mm-hmm. there, we need to have some bridge. So, same thing, we can't just like, here, take this and now you're free. It's like, okay, but now what? Like, you need to have some kind of like processing through it to be like, okay, here's what we do with this now. Like, yeah. you know, there'd have to be some kind of probably conjunction with it, but that's kind of part of our society now is everybody just wants to, here, just take this pill. Mm-hmm. And hope for the best. And, you know, or our your problems will disappear.
0: Yeah. And what – so the studies, at least, that I've read so far are using MDMA in very, very small doses, mm-hmm. only in a clinical setting, not mm-hmm. like here. here's a script, go home, yeah. treat yourself, <laughs> hang out, let me know how it goes. Mm-hmm. And that it's used to really get to some of those deep-rooted traumas mm-hmm. where if we look at – I use this example. It's probably pretty poor, but it's the best one that makes sense to me. If you look at your brain as like a wet field mm-hmm. and you have a bike that you're running up and down the wet field, and every traumatic experience creates a track on mm-hmm. that wet field eventually the sun comes out and the field dries up, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the absence of a new trigger. Mm-hmm. But then eventually a new trigger comes. It's like another rainy day and it's easy to drive your bike through the same trail. Like mm-hmm. it's already been created. Like why forge a new path?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, same thing's going on with trauma, right? Like your, your body is made for efficiency. So you're mm-hmm. trying to process these emotions as quickly as possible mm-hmm. and get them, you know, deep rooted, integrated, integrated in. as soon as you can. So what essentially MDMA has been doing is smoothing over the field. Mm-hmm. Like you take it, it helps unlock that part of the repressed mm-hmm. memory. It helps smooth over that little trough, mm-hmm. if you will. And so the next time a traumatic event presents itself, it doesn't go to that same path because that path now almost doesn't exist.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yes, the EMDR, I, essentially, yeah. as yeah, We're working towards not actively being like, oh, here's a stuck one, we're running here. Mm-hmm. Here's what happened the last time you're not responding off of that same system. Again, it's pulled over, smoothed over.
0: I love it. Mm-hmm. It's lo- good stuff. It is great stuff. What a time stuff. to be alive. <laughs> what a time to be alive. So, Taylor, we've, we've covered all the, the fun psychological stuff. Is there anything else you can think of that I've left out so far that you'd love to touch base on as far as it pertains to the human mind or how it works or how it integrates?
1: No, I don't think so. I think we talked about quite a, quite a bit of it.
0: We got, we got, we got pretty deep, mm-hmm. but I feel like that's just scratching the surface on who Taylor Klump really is.
1: Oh, that's just one hat.
0: That that that's it. <laughs> one one of, one of many. I only know two or three.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Let's talk about the fitness side of things because you are an accomplished fitness athlete as well.
1: Working
0: on it. Uh, so, so humble, so humble. So for all intents and purposes, I'll just forecast the future. Taylor will become a professional. L- l- there's like a look of trepidation and eye raise. You can't see it, but maybe we'll post it. We'll get it. No. We'll get it for <laughs> social media. In. Zoom in on it. No. But no, you'll be a you'll be an IFBB professional if everything goes right in the next twelve months. Mm-hmm. Right, that's what you're working for, mm-hmm. working Same. towards.
2: Mm-hmm. It's gonna happen.
0: Explain to us, I'll say not not only the correlation and how hard you have to work to achieve something, but also, I believe there's a misconception we covered a little bit before the show. You can have a career, a hobby, mm-hmm. a passion in a fitness industry, in which you are judged from the way your physique looks, mm-hmm. but not have that. Really dictate who you are as a woman. Like mm-hmm. you walking in here, to, contrary to popular belief, you you will see her if you go to our social media pages. Taylor has all of her clothes on. Mm-hmm. Taylor is a professional, an adult, like mm-hmm. very well put together, very well spoken. Again, of course, but you compete in an industry in which you are judged being you're in a bikini and high heels, mm-hmm. right? Like
1: there's yeah, no way around it. Yes. Yeah, that's just what it is. is. But
0: but there's a there, to me there's a certain. Like, you're sculpting your body. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, again, from being an ex-competitor myself and certainly not anywhere near the level of achievement that you've had so far, not even self-deprecating, you're just, you know, you're you're winning shows. Oh, you. Right? Like, I, I've never won a show before. But in that, you're literally spending hours sculpting and dieting and, and working on perfecting your craft.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But then all of a sudden you get into the real world, and we're talking about potentially getting hired and employment different places, mm-hmm. where now that plays into it of, like, again, your social media is very professional, thought provoking. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't, I'm painting this picture of the fact of I'm super curious of how you navigate some of these waters and how you go back and forth between an industry that could be looked at as over sexualized, mm-hmm. which, again, I, I'm biased because I've been in it, so it doesn't feel that way to me, but the outside world, it's, mm-hmm. it's present, right? In the psychology field, it could be.
1: Right. Um, yeah, ob- objectified versus oversexualized—very different things. Objectified. Um, because I, I always love it when people are like, "Oh, you're oversexualizing." I'm like, "Where is the line where it was drawn in the sand? Where it said you're a lot?" Did you look at your wife and you're saying, "Nope, that—that's the line right there. You are too <laughs> sexualized with me." Right. No, like you, you never said that's not a thing. Objectifying, yes, a little different, but mm-hmm. um, still navigating those waters. Um, it's it, how each person's going to interpret things is going to be up to them. Um, and that's not my job to dictate how other people manage their internal experiences based off of what they find for yeah. me, so.
0: See, I love that in, in its simplicity. Mm. Like I was hoping <laughs> you would answer, like I'm leading you. I own that as a host, I'm, I'm leading you down a path. That there's a certain part of Taylor that I think we all should have. And I'll put words in your mouth, this is certainly nothing you've ever said, but if you don't like what she has to say, then don't listen. <laughs> if you don't like what she posts, don't look. Like I. I maybe it'll happen one day, but driving around Columbus, I have not yet seen a billboard of Taylor in Columbus. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm not, it's not being thrown upon me, Mm -hmm. you know, who you are and what you stand for and when, what you do is what you do for enjoyment, right? Mm -hmm. Like,
1: well, and and it's more so, I think, I think bodybuilding is definitely becoming more, um, it's, it's not as, it's not as much of an issue. I feel like as it maybe has been in the past. Um, it's more normalized now. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not. Um, there's nothing immoral about it, or um, I mean, it's there's nothing about it. So I think it's I think it's progressing now to where it's further to where it's like I don't even like to give even the space to l- even entertain the thought that it's not something that's it, it, it's a professional league. Like it's there is something that people spend a great deal of money. In, and yes, it's very professional. So it's not. It's kind of like going up to any professional athlete and being like, "Oh, do you feel bad about you know X, Y, or Z?" Or you know, it's yeah. like, no. It's it's the nature of your. I'm gonna say sport for lack of better words. People fight it's me a, for it, but it's a sport. It what? Well, it, okay, it's competing in an athletic nature for yourself you're not an athlete per se but whatever it's competitive is what i'm trying to say so yes yeah i think it's definitely progressing more so i kind of don't even like giving the attention to it of it being anything negative
0: i mean i love it i look at if i look at a victoria's secret runway show like whatever there's mm-hmm. one show a year right they mm-hmm. get televised i don't want be Sexiest coy
1: with night on television yeah whatever is it is that what they say
0: but like you see if you see giselle mm-hmm who married Tom Brady? Like, no one's attacking her and saying, like, How dare you? Uh, uh, yeah, how could you walk around in your brawn mm-hmm. underwear in front of hundreds of millions of people mm-hmm. for one night a year?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And she's celebrated. It's like, Oh my God, look how beautiful she is.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: When you look at women in the fitness industry, it almost doesn't, I very rarely see people saying that same thing. Mm. You know, it, it's this really unique dichotomy of the way that we view what's acceptable and what's not, or what's mm-hmm. taboo and what's not. Mm-hmm. Again, if, if you're not familiar with the, the fitness industry as a whole, this probably has more of a thorn in my side because I used to be a part of it and mm-hmm. have a lot of friends that still are. Like, the amount of hard work and dedication it takes to mold Stupid, and sculpt your right. body, like you watch what you eat
2: mm-hmm.
0: 24-7, 365, in some mm-hmm. capacity, not, mm-hmm. I mean, no, you're right. you go to the gym, you dedicate endless hours of time mm-hmm. of, and you enjoy it, right? It's mm-hmm. also healthy for you. Yeah, I love it. But then on the backside, you enjoy competing mm-hmm. because you enjoy it.
1: <sighs> right? I'm like, competitive in everything. I yeah. do want. Yes, I'm competitive. I want to be the best at everything. Yes.
0: And so, of course, you're gonna push yourself to the extreme of what it takes to be recognized as the best. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden, it's just like, oh my god, she's in her. She's in a competition suit. It's not even a bra underwear. It's mm-hmm. a competition suit. Like it's, it's like me wearing a banana hammock on stage. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's just covering my junk. Like, that's all it is. Like, <laughs> but it's designed that way so you can look at every other yeah. muscle in my body. It's not because I need you to see what I'm mm-hmm. working with or not working with.
1: See, and again, this, like, this whole part of the conversation is just – it's entertaining to me because I don't even surround myself or give the space for it to even, like, be around anything for anyone to even say anything negative about body. But Like, I wouldn't even – if somebody tried picking a fight with me about it, I'd be like, oh. But is this your life? Like, how is what I'm doing hurting your health? Like, I'm not hurting you. Like, nobody's coming to me and harassing me about bodybuilding. Like, again, Mm -hmm. if you don't like it, like, that's fine. It's like, I'm not making you do. This is for me. I never stop making what I'm doing about you. Like, this is about me right now. This isn't about you. What I do is for me. It's not for you to decide, you know, what's wrong or what's right. I'm not making you drink a kale smoothie. So (laughs) mind your business. Are you minding your business? Because I'm minding mine.
0: Yeah, but that, that comes back to the awareness conversation yes. to me. It's like everything eventually turns back into a level of awareness Yeah, for everything. And, it, it, again, I don't want to poke at something that doesn't need to be poked at. It's mm-hmm. just, as a whole, your stance on that and how you present yourself to the world and mm-hmm. what you stand for to me, something to be comm- thankful for, you know, mm-hmm. to honor. It's a thing of mm-hmm. – it's a unique spot to see people in where – in my opinion, you're doing absolutely nothing wrong. Right. That's the way at I all. It. You're compete. If you're running track and field, and you had on shorts that were short shorts. Which is
1: what I grew up doing as a pole vaulter uh, yeah, in I, sports bra and track shorts. I yes. Didn't, I don't even
0: know that. Yes. How was pole vaulting?
1: It was great. It was a good time.
0: How high? What's the highest you've ever cleared?
1: Um, I think I cleared like 10-2, which isn't very high. I compete. In, I'm not minimizing. No, like legitimately, that's not very high.
0: But I, I'm I'm not a basketball player. But last time I checked, <laughs> the, the the rims are ten feet tall.
1: Yeah, so you have a pole and shoots you higher. Anyway, but still, you
0: had you were t- your body was ten feet above the ground, right? Like yes. you had to clear a pole that was if I took out a measuring stick, it was mm-hmm. ten feet high. Mm-hmm. That sounds high to me, even mm-hmm. if it's not a twenty foot, you know, Olympic mm-hmm. pole vault. Right. What brought you into pole vault?
1: Um, so I had a dance background, and then they kind of like seek out like dancers and gymnasts again, like the body awareness thing. Can you mm-hmm. get your body to do what you want it to do when you want to do it? So um, I kind of started, took a few camps in middle school, then it took off in high school. Um, did that for I did track and the dance team, and then in college I did um, a little bit of vaulting. I was a walk-on pole vaulter. Look then, at that! All four years? Um, three, and then I got injured on a tragic back accident doing a drill. It Really wasn't a cool story. It was it's a drill. It wasn't even involving pole vaulting, and then I was like, okay, I'm out. Um, and then I kind of combined dancing and the athletic part about being a vaulter, just that because I, I was used to training, I loved working out, and mm-hmm. then I loved dancing, being on stage. That's always been a place of peace for me which is why I love it um and I know that's it's not I don't like talking about bodybuilding and a lot per se on my page just because I know the relationship I have with myself and I have with my body and I have with food is not that that perhaps a lot of other women have Mm -hmm. um and so I would never want someone like to look at me like oh I want to compete because you know you compete like you do what you want to do like I'm gonna I this just so happens to be like it's something that gives me great joy and like I do bust my butt at it. However, like I do have some genetics in my favor that like a lot of people don't have. So it's like, I acknowledge that. And I'm like, I'm good. Like I'm good at this. I'm gonna stick with it. Like it mm-hmm. works and I love it. So I'm going to work for it. It's for me, but it might not be for you and I don't want to encourage anybody to go down that path. Like it's my thing. I like, like you might like collecting comic books or doing, you know, video games. Like this is my thing I like doing. So, and it gives me my sense of purpose and helps me, fill my cup. So if I'm, you know, cause at the end of the day, if, if I'm not full in what I'm doing, like I can't be present in that session for someone that is going through the worst trauma of their life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If I'm not like feeling good about myself, and I know that's not going to transpire over into my other relationships and future relationships. If, if my cup's not full, if I'm not taking care of me and being the best self that I can be, I'm not, I'm neglecting myself and I'm not living up to my full potential in all areas of my life then. Cause I'm just shooting myself in the foot essentially.
0: Yeah. So what, what type of dance?
1: All of it: jazz, tap, ballet, point, lyrical, all of it. I love it all.
0: Still, do you still dance in some? I mean, I mean like ballet, in my room,
1: like, and like, and then like, I'll do some like just fun little like stuff that I'll make up and just by myself, but not like.
0: Okay, well, I'm not saying like stripping dancing. No, 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 I'm, no. no, I'm no. I know like, I meant
1: like not like on a stage during classes or anything.
0: Okay, well, I, I, I don't know what happens after <laughs> after college after those things are available. I didn't know. If, Like, obviously, is there a time in which you could see yourself aging out or timing out of bodybuilding?
1: Well, yeah, eventually. Um, Once once it serves its purpose or once I'm like, if it ever comes to a point where it's not fun for me and I'm not like on fire about it, Mm -hmm. then there's no need for me to do it. But I don't see that happening anytime soon. Got
0: to get the pro card first.
1: Right. You're too damn competitive (laughs) to not get the pro card. (laughs) No. Got my eyes set on it, so I'm not stopping until it's there. It's coming. It's coming. Then there afterwards, got to get some wins.
0: I like that. Good for you.
1: Yeah, I'm excited.
0: Good for you. So Taylor, if you were to leave the audience today with one piece of advice that everybody could implement, Mm -hmm. what would that be?
1: Find your purpose.
0: Find your purpose.
1: Mm -hmm. one's going to drive you with everything.
0: I love it. So eloquently stated. Mm -hmm. Taylor, thank you so much for making the trek across half of the United States to come in and have an interview with me, I sincerely appreciate it.
1: Thanks, I enjoyed the drive and the, and the conversation.
0: <laughs> oh, thanks. I'm glad the conversation <laughs> made the list as well, exactly. not just the drive. Thought. Yes. So, so, With that, when you to take and apply the knowledge and wisdom that Taylor shared about self-awareness, about not looking at psychology or psychiatry or EMDR as a crutch, but looking at something to propel your life. Tool. A tool mm-hmm. to become better. We start applying those things, you'll find out that every day you're able to get shit done.